Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. All right, well, we're going to be starting a three-part series called The Zeal of the Lord. Sounds super intense. Um, It's a little intense. I think you guys will like it. Um, This first one is called The Zeal for Jerusalem, His Zeal for Jerusalem. Uh, But before we get in, I want to just make a little uh, mention of something. I didn't didn't intentionally do this. but I was, I was just thinking, we, we just came through, our, our community just finished our three and a half years of Revelation study, and I was nearing the end of preparing these notes, and I was, I was kind of looking at the verses that I selected. Again, I didn't do this on purpose. I'm not that cool. Um, but I was realizing, like, there's, there's not a whole lot of, you know, Revelation verses in my notes. I mean, there's, there's a, two or three, but I was like, I was just hit again, like, there's, there's so much, we're grateful for the 22 chapters of Revelation, but there's more than 150 chapters in your Bible that talk about Jesus' second coming, and so really, the book of Revelation is just this little condensed snapshot, but there's so much more, and so I was just like, yeah, most of these verses in this, this series actually are going to be uh, mostly outside of Revelation, and a lot of them in the Old Testament, so I was just like freshly stirred, like, man, like, It'd be easy to come out of a three-and-a-half-year study and out of Reve- on Revelation and be like, you know, check the box, like, we got that end times thing. And I was like, no, like, there's, there's so much out there. There's so much more to mine the depths on. So I just thought I'd share that here in the beginning. Um, but this, this message really, um, uh, as you'll see really quickly, it's, we'll, we'll get into Jerusalem. We'll get into talking about Israel um, the, 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 the subject of Israel in the end times is a, is a massive, massive subject um, that we're not going to unpack in the, this session, in this series. Um, so we'll touch some of the, the timeline points and things that happen, um, <clears throat> chronology and stuff like that. We'll kind of do that just to create a context of really my main heart for this series is not just knowing the story, but knowing the one behind the story. Um, I like this, this phrase here. Um, uh, point A, just, just getting, getting end time oil. Um, you know, Matthew 24 is the passage that we're familiar with about the, the wise virgins having oil in their lamp um, when Jesus comes back. And I'm just thinking specifically related to the end times um, being more than just a, a story of things to know, like really the end times, um, as we say frequently around here, to just reset our hearts. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is his day, the day of his revealing. And so every single one of these events and things that we're going to look at today, it's, it's revealing the Lord. Um, I remember I was in a prayer meeting just a few months ago, uh, just feeling kind of reaching for the Lord. One of those meetings that was just, just like, I got to get up and pace or I'm going to fall asleep. Um, so I was just reaching for the Lord and talking to him, and uh, I felt like he gave me this, just this picture of a, of a gear flashing into my mind, like kind of metal, like rubbing on metal, like just picture that in your mind, you're going to start to cringe. It's really unpleasant, you know, just creep, you know, chalkboard noise. So, you know, metal on metal with no oil, there's, it's like, it's painful. I mean, it, it works, but that, that machine is going to break eventually. That is not a smooth working machine, but you dump a little bit of oil in that thing, and just lubricates and flows, and the parts are all moving together. And I feel like in that, in that moment, the Lord just whispered to my heart, like, studying the end times to get the, the chronology and the storyline, it's like those gears working together. And then meditating on who Jesus is as the one behind 
all of the events, it's like dumping oil in that. So you need to have an understanding of what's happening, what's going on, but th the goal is not understand everything so you can be smart and sit up here the next Q&A and answer questions and get them right. Like that is, if that was the goal, I would like, like, let's just stop right now. That is not cool. The goal is to know Jesus and to love him more. And so really taking time for a session like this, a series like this, where we're really after not just understanding what's happening, but like, what is this? This thing is happening. How does this reveal Jesus? That's like pouring that oil on that thing. Again, and it's just, and now it's a smooth working machine. Um, and so really, um, there's, again, the end times, it's, it's dripping with oil. Again, there's 150 chapters. There's so much complexities of Jesus' emotions that we see in the end time narrative that is different than any other, you know, um, time frame or any other generation. So this is, this is worth peering at. This is worth um, diving into. Um, <clears throat> I was also just thinking about, uh, like, the topic of, okay, oil of intimacy, trying to know God, knowing someone. One aspect of, like, knowing someone is, is knowing what they care about, knowing their passions, knowing what makes them tick. And so just... I don't know why I thought of this example. You're going to make fun of me, but, you know, just picture you had a friend and they're just like really, really, you know, set on, you know, saving the kangaroos in Australia. They're like, that's their, their passion, their zeal. Um, and they're like, you know, they got kangaroo posters on their wall. They're making these little, um, you know, fanny packs are in these days. So they're making these little legs, uh, you know, kangaroo fanny packs and they're wearing t-shirts and you're, you're like getting to know that person. And you're like, oh my gosh, you are you are quite a human. Like that's, I think it's a little weird, but, but I want to get to know you, so I need to work past the, I think this is weird. And if you're going to be friends with that person, you need to kind of lay all that side, lay all that aside and realize that these kangaroos mean a lot to this friend of yours. And so you caring and loving that person is taking time to understand that thing. And so really it's not about the kangaroos. It's about understanding your friend. And so, silly example, but, but related to the Lord really... Um, as we'll see, like the topic of, of Israel, Jerusalem, um, if you're not a Jew, which most of us aren't, um, it can seem a little bit like, why, uh, we live in Dallas, like what, or Arlington, for those of us who are, wow. Um, uh, it's like, what, what, where is Jerusalem as far? Like, how is this relevant to me? Because we've been trained thinking and we're hearing a verse passage, like, how does this, how is this relevant to me? How does this build me up? So the topic of Israel, Jerusalem, end times, it can seem a little, if you're newer to it, like, why are we even talking about this? But um, we'll see here that this is a subject that is, like, really, 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 really dear to the heart of the Lord. And that's where we need to work through the, okay, I don't really understand this, but, boy, he keeps talking about Jerusalem a whole lot. So I'm just going to, like, sit down here, grab a cup of coffee, and spend some time in a prayer meeting and just, okay, Lord, Jerusalem, talk to me. I, like, that's our takeaway from this session. Then I've done my job up here. So really, this, this series and session is just a giant flag and like end times revealing God. He talks about Jerusalem, Israel, and his name tied to covenant with them a whole lot in the Bible. And we'll look at some of the specifics here in a little bit. Okay, so um, as I was just thinking about um, talking about this, again, this subject, like the Lord whispered the phrase, zeal to me. I was like, what, are, what should I talk about? What should I do a three-part series on? And he spoke that phrase, zeal. And so I instantly got my computer out. I started typing up some stuff of like what I thought zeal meant. And then as I was doing that, I was kind of, I kind of got stopped in my tracks. And I was like, wait, wait, I'm not, let's, instead of me starting with what Luke Frederick knows, 
why don't we like go to Blue, Le- Blue Letter Bible? I know Brad likes Bible Gateway, but I like Blue Letter Bible, so here we go. Um, Blue Letter Bible, let's type in the word zeal and just see like nothing else. Let's just start with what the Bible says about God's zeal, and then we can build out, do some cross-references and stuff. But I wanted to start that, that way, and as I did, I actually was a little surprised in how um, like Israel, uh, so our three sessions are zeal for Jerusalem, um, zeal for his people, and then zeal for his name. There's more things that God is zealous about, but those three subjects are like the, are the crux of his zeal. They're the things that are like, again, he talks about over and over. And I was looking at these passages like zeal and then Israel, zeal, Jerusalem. I was like, I was like oh my gosh, like almost all of the direct references of God's zeal are related to Jerusalem and Israel. And so that's where I was, I was kind of surprised and shocked um, by that a little bit. Okay, so point B, let's define, and I'm sure we've all heard that word zeal before, and this is not going to be revelatory, but let's start with a little definition to kind of get our heads around zeal. So um, uh, zeal is, uh, Oxford Dictionary, great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. So zeal has legs. Zeal is not something that you're like, I'm just zealous about this thing, and you don't do anything. Like zeal is provoking it's a deep inner stirring that provokes you into action, into doing stuff, into seeing this thing you're zealous about and you're working diligently, you're pouring in all of your, your time, your money, your energy, effort, like something you're zealous about. If someone's zealous about, you know, being in the fittest workout shape, like they're going to spend a lot of time in the gym and exercises and logging and tracking calories, like they're going to be zealous about that. It's not, you don't say you're zealous about working out and then you never go to the gym. Maybe I do, but um, if anyone who is actually zealous about that, they would, you know, put your money where your mouth is. So, um, so this is a just this this concept of of zeal is is um, looking into what is what is God zealous about? What does He care about? And just a quick point here too. Um, another word, um, zeal. That the, the the Hebrew word is used forty two, forty three times. Um, it's translated zeal a lot of times. It's also translated jealousy a lot of times. So those two are kind of interchangeable, as we'll see in our sessions uh, moving forward. So just the point C, the concepts of, of rivers and tributaries. How is this related to this session? I'm just thinking there's, if you're like, you name some things that God is passionate for. Like there's, there's so many things that God is passionate for. Like so many, millions of things. Like we could come up with a list um, of infinite number of things. And that's true because God is infinite. But there's, um, just like the concept of rivers versus tributaries, rivers is the main body of water um, flowing, tons of volume. Tributaries are all these mountain streams and things that flow into the river. Um, So like, just for instance, like the Mississippi River, it's a big body or big uh, volume of water. It has over 250 of these little streams and things that pour into that. And so this session, um, I want to ask the question, like, what is the river of God's zeal? Like, what is, where do all of the other things that he's passionate about, like, where where do they end up in this this flowing river? Where does it take us? If we start at his mercy, if we start at his justice, if we start at his his passion for uh, for a generous heart, like, where where do these things end up? And again, there's multiple of these rivers, but I, I believe as I was searching for what is he zealous for, I believe that 
Israel, Jerusalem, his name tied to covenant. That's, that's one of those rivers. And so we're going to explore that here in this, this series. <clears throat> okay, well, uh, just a little bit of, of hard facts. If you're a fact person, now's the time to, to get excited. Um, so this, this first session is God's zeal for Jerusalem. And just by sheer, sheer volume, I just did a quick little um, study of this. But um, some words I just typed into uh, uh, to Blue, Blue Letter Bible were love. Love in the Bible, I think that's a pretty important word in the Bible. It's used about 400, uh, 400 times in the Bible. Um, I'm sure more than that if you do cross-references and stuff. The word mercy is used uh, a little over 300 times. The word sin is used a little over 600 times. Well, God talks about Jerusalem. Other names for it in the Bible are um, Zion, the city of David. Those are all different ways of saying Jerusalem. So not even just referring to the city, but directly Jerusalem, Zion, city of David. It's used over a thousand times. So more than the word love, more than the word mercy, more than the word sin. So again, like, if you're zealous about something, you're going to talk about it all the time. And God, he just can't stop. He's like, how can I go another sentence without saying Jerusalem? So let's cram it in here in this verse three times. <laughs> There's some verses like that. It's like God's like, all right, we've been going too long. Let me just keep, you, keep everyone who's reading this book, like, keep focused on what I really care about. Here's, you know, three in one verse. So over a thousand times, that's a lot of stuff going on. Well, before we um, uh, we'll look in this session about uh, uh, Jerusalem in the end times, some of his zeal reflected in, in the drama that happens. But uh, the Bible doesn't start in the end times. There's a lot of story before that. And so I want to do it in this uh, Roman numeral two just a little bit. I'm just, we're just scratching the surface of some of the complexities of emotions that God has for the city of Jerusalem, because he's, it's, got, it's a mixed bag in there in the Bible. There's a lot of um, um, really, really positive words, and then there's some descriptions of Jerusalem that he uses in the Bible, and you're like, that is not PG. That, <laughs> that is really, wow, that's in my Bible. And it's about Jerusalem. No, I'm kind of offended. There's lots of those in there too. So uh, the first one here, um, the city he, he chose. So this is Second Chronicles 6, 5 through 6. Since the day I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. And I chose no man as a prince over my people Israel, but I have chosen Jerusalem, that my name may be there. And I have chosen David over my people so when we think of like different cities have different reputations. So if you think of Fort Worth, it's kind of, in my mind, it's kind of good old boys, traditional, actual cowboy boots. You think of Dallas, it's kind of more hip, kind of more, more cutting edge, more a lot going on. You think of like Las Vegas, very different than um, you know those other cities I mentioned. Each city, Paris, each city has like different things. And when we hear, when we see the word. Or we think of the city, different images, different things come into our mind. Well, Jerusalem is like, this is like, it's the city that God's name is there. Jerusalem is known as this, the city where God is, the city that reflects God, the city that bears his name, the city that God chose, the God of the universe chose. Out of all the cities of the earth, he's like, I want 
that one. It's the city, the city of God. So that's a really, really positive one. Well, um, the next verse, top of page three, uh, this is Psalm 87. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than the city, sorry, excuse me, more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. So he's saying, even among my chosen people, Israel, he's like, I like Jerusalem the best. So if God, if you've ever heard the, you know, the phrase like God doesn't choose favorites or pick favorites, well, he, he does right there. God shows Jerusalem above all the cities. He's like, I like you, you know, Dan and other cities. I'm not going to name more because I can't think of any. But Jerusalem, he's like, this, this is the one I like best. This is my favorite. So again, really positive one. Well, the next one, we can't be all positive. <laughs> the city that causes ache in his heart. So we went from super positive, this city bears my name, and now we're talking about the, the city that brings God great pain. Um, so this is Matthew 23. At the end of Jesus' ministry, after all of his labors, his efforts, his sleepless nights, foxes have holes, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, like all of his, all of his ministry, his labors, and he, he goes here, um, <clears throat> says here, Old Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and yet you, you were not willing. So Jesus, he, he's just like, he goes like, you guys have always rejected my prophets. You killed, you know, you killed all of my prophets. You didn't listen to anything I said, and now you're not listening to God in the flesh, me. And Jesus is in this, he's, he's grieving, he's weeping, he's in inner turmoil, just saying, I just want to gather you like a, a mother hen, like I just want you close to me, but every time I try to bring you near, you're, you're pushing me back, you're saying no, you're resisting my plans. So Jerusalem brings God great pain um, through history. There's a lot of, actually a lot of their history is God being really mad, really angry with them because they're not listening to the Lord, they're not following him. Okay, so really, really negative one. Well, uh, let's go to another really positive one. Zechariah 1, 14. So the angel <clears throat> talked to me, said, Cry out, cry out. Proclaim it to everyone who's listening. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion. So notice there, he's, he's not saying I'm a little bit passionate. He's not even saying I'm zealous. He's like, I'm ex exceedingly jealous. He's like, how can I... Star this, underline it, exclamation mark, you know, bunny sticker. How can I do, like, I'm exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem. He, I just love that he says that. He's, he's zealous for Jerusalem, for who they are, and he, he knows the beginning and the end. And so he's zealous for the purposes of Jerusalem and zealous for them to be responding to him. So really positive. I think you guys are seeing the trend here. The next one. A city that arouses his anger. So God has, he's got righteous zeal, righteous anger, things that he really, really, really make him dis, displeased. Jerusalem is one of those in history. This is Jeremiah 32. He says, the city, this city has aroused my anger and my wrath from the day it was built to, the, to this day so that I will remove it from my sight. You guys know the story, but Jerusalem was... Provoking God's wrath, he sent the, sent the prophets again and again. They didn't listen, and he eventually brought the Babylonians, took them out of the city into captivity. He eventually like, kicked them out of their land. 
to show them how like, upset he was. So Jerusalem, the city that arouses God's anger. It's just an interesting thought that doesn't really give you the mushy-gushy feel-good. It's like, wow, that's, there's a lot of ups and downs here, God. Well, um, the end times, uh, point E, the, the complexity. Um, uh, let's read the verse on top of page 4. This is one chapter of the Bible, Revelation 11. So, okay, I didn't tell you there was no Revelation verses. I had to sneak a couple in here. Revelation 11, starting in verse 2, says, Do not measure, this is um, yeah, an angel talking to John, Do not measure the court outside the temple and leave it out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample, number one, the holy city for 42 months, and their bodies will lie in the streets of the, number two, great city, those are two really good things, holy and great. But then he goes on, in the city that is symbolically called Sodom and Egypt. Bad. Sodom was judged, a lot of reasons, but because they were terribly immoral, sexually, everything crazy. So he's comparing them to Sodom. Well, also Egypt. He's saying, here, you're the city of like bondage and captivity and trusting in other gods. Like you're, you're, I'm comparing you to Egypt. So he, he is, here there's you know, holy city, great city. Egypt, Sodom, there's, there's a lot of in God's heart when he thinks of Jerusalem. He doesn't think of only positive. He doesn't think of only negative. It's this, this whirlwind of, of tensions and this whirlwind of their destiny, which we'll look at, and this whirlwind of their current state of mostly being resistant to him. It's, it's all in his heart, and it all fuels this zeal in his heart for Jerusalem. So let's move on to uh, Roman numeral three, the destiny of Jerusalem. So this is, okay, okay, big perspective. Let's zoom out, 10,000-foot view. At the end, if you're saying, Luke, is, you're saying, Luke, God is zealous for Jerusalem, where is it going? Where is, the, where is his zeal unto? What is, what is the, um, the goal in his heart for Jerusalem? Again, big subject, but we'll, we'll do our best at giving an introduction. <clears throat> so God's zeal in action is working together to produce all of these things which we're going to look at here. Well, point number one, um, X marks the spot. So Psalm 2, love this passage. Verse 6, as for me, this is the Father speaking. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. From generations past, God has put an X, a proverbial X on Jerusalem. He says, this is the one I want. I've got claim to it. You know, heaven and earth, angel, demon, nothing is going to stop this. The nations are raging against this fact they're trying to say, no, Jerusalem is not yours. And this is one that God is, he is not open to negotiation. He's saying, no, I promise my son, Jerusalem. And if you take it, if you try to take it, <laughs> you're going to get the sword. You're going to get my wrath. So he has claimed this. He's promised this to, the father has to his son, Jesus. Well, big picture where it's all going is this is the place that God desires to be forever. So, um, God desires to be with his people. We all know that. But he, that's the general thing. But he also desires to be with his people specifically in Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem. Psalm 132, the end of, end of David's vow here, uh, the Lord is responding to David's zeal. And he's saying, the Lord has chosen Zion for he has desired it for his dwelling place. He's desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. 
here I will dwell for I have desired it. So he said the word desire like three times. <laughs> I desire it, I desire it, dwelling place, dwelling place. Um, so just interesting point. This is just fun. Like John 17, we pray it. Jesus, you wanted me to be with you where you are. Um, great prayer. It doesn't only mean this, but Jesus is going to be in Jerusalem. And so we're going to be with him in Jerusalem. So as part of it is, is you want me to be with you where you are. You're going to live in Jerusalem forever. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to be spending some time in Jerusalem. So that's a quick little fun thing that I, I gleaned. Okay, point C. He, so big picture, where is he going? Where is Jerusalem's destiny? He's going to make this city beautiful. So this is Psalm um, 48. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation. It is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. And then Isaiah 50, Isaiah 60 says, The wealth of the nations shall come to you. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebathoth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. And so, uh, though through the great tribulation events, we'll look at some of them later in this session, Jerusalem is going to be absolutely decimated. It is going to be a heap of rubble when Jesus comes back, but he is going to take that from rubble, rubble city to the most beautiful, lavish, incredible city. He's going to bring all of the treasures of the nations. You know, there's like rare silks and rare woods and things that only in the world this one little island has this thing. Well, he's going to bring all of the cool things of all of the nations and use them to beautify his house and his sanctuary and beautify his city. He's going to make Jerusalem the, the crown jewel that everyone is like, okay, what is the most beautiful thing on planet Earth? Like, Grand Canyon is really cool, but I mean, Jerusalem is like, I mean, Grand Canyon is really cool, but like, as far as things that were made by man. Like, Jesus did a pretty good job at making Jerusalem. Like, it is, it is this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. Um, and I'm not, I'm not even talking about the new Jerusalem. That's part of it, too. But the, the millennial Jerusalem that he will reign, he's going to make that the most incredible, incredible city, beautiful city. It's going to be rebuilt to be the most beautiful city that the earth has ever known. And we're going to be in awe. And then comes the new Jerusalem. And he's like, watch this. It's about to get an upgrade, even better than what I made it. Well, point D, Jerusalem, big picture. It's going to be the center of his kingdom. So he's going to rule the whole earth. If you didn't know that, it's going to happen, I promise you. So he's going to rule just like every earthly you know, empire. This, you know, the Roman Empire, it was centered around Rome. It expanded, but everything was in Rome, all the important people, all the laws, and then it spread out through the empire. Well, Jesus is going to be, this worldwide empire is going to be centered in the city of Jerusalem. So Jeremiah 3 there says, at that time, Jerusalem, I just love this phrase, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all the nations, nations shall gather to it, and the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem. And they shall no more stubbornly follow their own hearts. And so this, the, the destiny of Jerusalem is to be the HQ, capital city of the world. The most important, the most beautiful city, the most happening city in the entire world that every nation is, is involved in and touches and all the kings of those nations are coming and going. It's going to be like the, the hub of all of the world. And Jesus is going to, it says his throne is going to, it shall be called the throne of the Lord. 
pretty big destiny, pretty big destiny. Well, his zeal for Jerusalem is going to lead to being the city of salvation and protection. This is, this is a fun one. This is, this is one that if you go on a, a, a search, this could be, uh, this uh, point E here could be, you could have a field day with this. I'd feel, I was uh, looking over this and feel like I just started to kind of wrap my head around it. I'm like, okay, there's, there's a lot there, a lot more there. But the, the historic city of Jerusalem, it was always this, this place that all of the Jews of the day like looked to for protection, for salvation. When they were in other places, they're like, Lord, save us because of your city, or arise out of Jerusalem, your resting place. Arise and let your enemies be scattered. They're always, they're always connecting, okay, salvation. Okay, God is in Jerusalem, in the temple. Salvation, like God is going to bring salvation to us from Jerusalem. He's going to protect us when our enemies are scattered. We can come to Jerusalem like Hezekiah. We can get on our knees and say, oh God, there's an army, but this is your city, like protect us. And then God, in Hezekiah's day, he goes out and he routes, uh, devours the enemies. And so they, they had this, this longing um, for, or this connection to God protecting uh, Israel in the city of Jerusalem. Um, we see this when, um, I didn't give you the verses, but when, when Solomon dedicated the temple, he, was, he said to the Lord, like, whenever your people are out and about, whenever they're in the field, whenever prayers and supplications are made towards this place, like, Lord, hear the prayer and act on behalf of your city, of your house. Daniel, um, when he was in uh, uh, Babylon, exile, he prayed three times a day. He faced the city of Jerusalem. And he said he would bring, bring this fact uh, up to the Lord. He'd say, Lord, this is your city. You protect us. We're in captivity. Like, bring us back. Protect us for the sake of Jerusalem. So there's this, this connection point, this, this expectation, this, this deep, um, like, I'm sure if you asked the Jews of the day, they could articulate it. But it was, it was like a deep current. Just like, you know, in America, we really value freedom and equality and things like that. But like, the innermost, um, part of the inner, like, uh, you know, fabric of the heart of a Jew is Jerusalem is where God protects us. And so uh, part of the destiny, I just, oh, I guess I'll read a Bible, Bible verse. Psalm 20, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. I promise you there's dozens of more verses. I just chose one that sounded really cool. So the next one, Revelation 21. So Jerusalem is protection. Well, Jerusalem has the, the, the destiny. I just love this because it's, it's not just for the Jews. It's for everyone. Jerusalem has the destiny of being the city that gives protection from our greatest enemy, which I think is, is sin, separation from God. Sin causes separation from God. And Jerusalem, this city that will ultimately, in Jerusalem, God will bring um, heaven and earth together. He will eradicate sin. Um, I'm basically summarizing that Revelation verse. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There's going to be no more mourning, no more, no more crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then there in Psalm 48, God has made himself known as a fortress. So just this idea of Jerusalem being the ultimate protecting and salvation, because in Jerusalem, God's going to somehow all of this, bring all of it together and deliver us from sin. And so the city of Jerusalem is going to be this, this ultimate fulfillment of Jerusalem being the protection for God's people and salvation. And so again, there's, there's a lot more there if you want to dig. Feel free to dig. Well, the last point I'll touch really quickly is the new Jerusalem 
So the city of heaven is called, God could have called it the new whatever. He could have called it the city of heaven. He called it the new Jerusalem. <laughs> so God named his eternal city, the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. So I just think that that's telling again of God's zeal for Jerusalem. That he even names the upgrade after Jerusalem. Okay, so we're going to move, shift gears a little bit and talk more more specifically about the end times. So this is Jerusalem as the center point of the end time drama. So uh, the end times is is really where, um, the more you peer at it, it's really this this conflict. Again, that, that Psalm 2, God saying, my son is going to be on Zion, the nations of the earth and the kings of the earth raging against that and said, nah. And then Jesus, you know, and Father saying, yeah, huh? like, this is my city. And so really the end times is this, this, the city of Jerusalem, and then Satan and his plan, God and his plan, fighting, colliding, clashing over the destiny of Jerusalem. That's really, um, scripturally, that's, I mean, there's a lot of things, obviously, the end times, but really that, that's one of the core things. It, it revolves around Jerusalem. It revolves around the people of Israel. And we all get brought into that, praise God. But really, this um, this phrase here in point A, <clears throat> um, I think it's just so telling. It's, it's from Isaiah <clears throat> um, 34, 8. Good old King James Version uh, said it my favorite way, so I put that in there for you. Isaiah 34, 8 says, For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, the recompense, sorry, the year of the recompense for the controversy of Zion, just that phrase, the, the controversy, the controversy of Zion. The, I'm thinking of, you know, Christ, he's referred to as the stumbling stone, the rock of offense um, in the New Testament and Old Testament develops that. Well, there's another one. There's this, this stumbling stone of Zion. And I really think this, this begs the question that every, every person, every people group, every, every nation is going to have to grapple with this question. Am I going to stand for God's purposes for Jerusalem? Or am I going to stand against God's purposes for Jerusalem? And it, it's the bad news. It's kind of good news and bad news. But bad news is it, it's costly whatever answer you choose. If you say, yes, I'm going to stand for the purposes of God's uh, heart for Jerusalem, all the nations are going to rage against you and your nation, your people group, because you're standing with God's. The rage of Satan is now, congratulations, directed at you. Um, so that's the costly one if you say, yes, I will stand for God's zeal for Jerusalem. You get that. Well, obviously we know the other answer. If you resist and you go with the Antichrist agenda for Israel and Jerusalem, you, could, you get God's wrath. So again, I'd rather have the other one, but they're both really, really, really costly. But it's just this looming question. What are you going to do with Jerusalem? Every person needs to settle in our hearts. Every nation needs to settle in and we will be judged I'm thinking mostly nations. Like we will be judged on this. This question is going to be when we stand before the Lord. This is going to be one of the questions. You know, what did you do with Jerusalem? What, what did you partner with me? Did you resist me? I know it's intense, but guys, it's it's in there. Zechariah 12. Um, this is kind of the ultimate fulfillment of that. But he paints a picture. It says, "On that day, I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone." For all the peoples, all who lift it will surely hurt themselves. All the nations of the earth will gather against it. And so really this, this, this rage of the nations here, it, it really, this controversy of Zion in the end times, it really culminates 
in the most epic battle of all of God's people coming to Jerusalem to fight for Jerusalem, all of Satan's people coming, that other side of the question, um, coming to Jerusalem to fight against this, it's this, this clash in the battle of Jerusalem outside of the city, good and evil, the purposes of God for Jerusalem, the purposes of, of Satan, it's fulfilled there. Well, point B is really interesting. So Satan, he, his uh, end time strategy, part of it is he's really smart. <laughs> Satan is not, not ignorant. He knows all of the plans for Israel, for Jerusalem. He's, you know, he's, he's wise, he's cunning, he can do math. He's like, if there's no Jerusalem, if there's no people of Israel to receive Jesus, he, he cannot come back. I can avert my punishment in the lake of fire forever if I get rid of Jerusalem and if I get rid of the Jewish people. He's really, really smart. I mean, that's a terrible plan, but it's, it's, it's cunning. That's, he's going for that loophole, definitely. So um, his, his rage is, he, again, he thinks if I can occupy is, uh, Jerusalem, if I can abolish the city, if I can keep all the Jews offended at what God is doing, what God is allowing me um, power to crush them, if I can keep them all offended, Jesus can't come back. And we'll see that here. Matthew 23, we read, we read the beginning of the verse earlier. This is top of page 7. So, old Jerusalem, old Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. I'll skip down. This is Jesus. He says, see, your house has left you desolate. He said, for I tell you, Jerusalem, leaders of Jerusalem, you will not see me again. I'm not going to come back until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'm not going to come back until the city of Jerusalem, the elders of Jerusalem, until you accept me. So, there's got to be a city. There's got to be elders. They got to accept Jesus. So, that's, that's a pretty, you know... The Antichrist and Satan raging against those three things to prevent them from happening, again, pretty smart. Well, here in Revelation 12, we see that, um, I'll just summarize it, but, but uh, the Antichrist, excuse me, it's picturing Satan as a dragon, and he goes first, it says he pursued the woman, he pursued Israel first. He, he went for Israel, and then ultimately in this passage, he, he only goes after the rest of the offsprings of Jesus because... God is sovereignly protects Israel, and then he rages against the rest of the Gentiles as well. But he first goes for Israel. He pursues Israel. Again, because he knows God's zeal for Jerusalem. He knows if he can stop that from happening, then Jesus can't come back. Jesus can't banish him to, to the lake of fire. Well, the end-time drama surrounding Israel, Israel, Jerusalem, again, I'm saying, hey, Jerusalem is really, really central to the end times. Let's not lose sight of this. It's inseparably, inseparably connected to the end of all things. So this passage is crazy. This is another one that you just stare at and it kind of makes you go numb. It's like, what? <laughs> so this is Daniel 9, 24, middle of the page. It says, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city. That's Jerusalem. Two, finish transgression, put an end to sin, atone for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal both vision and profit, and anoint a most holy place. Those are kind of like really, really, really big things. Put an end to sin, bring in everlasting righteousness, you know, atone for iniquity. Um, like those are like massive, like really, really hard things to do. And God is tying it in that verse 
in the, the vision that he gave to Daniel, he's tying that to exclusively to the people of Israel and the holy city of Jerusalem. He's saying, guys, really this conflict revolves around Jerusalem and Israel and all of the conflicts, the, the birth pains and the, the, like, all of the, the labors of the tribulation is going to bring forth all of these things which are really good for all of us. Again, an end to sin, a finish of transgression, a, atoning for iniquity. Those are really, really good things. And it's all centered around or brought about by, through God's zeal for Jerusalem. And just as a fun thing, um, I thought it was clever. Um, this, so that verse, Daniel got that, like an angel came and visited him and gave him that, while Daniel was on his knees praying for Jerusalem. <laughs> so I just think that's funny. He was praying for Jerusalem, and then God came and touched him, you know, blew his mind and said, oh yeah, here's an answer to that. So it's like, again, all about Jerusalem in Daniel's vision inseparably connected to the end. You can't, you can't have the finishing of transgression, the end of sin, without stuff happening around the city of Jerusalem. So God's zeal to bring forth the end of sin and death and weeping and mourning it's centered around his dealings with the city of Jerusalem. Well, here's another a monumental one. It's one of the central aims. Again, there's, there's, a, there's several, but it's one of the, the main premier aims of the prayer movement. So God is raising up prayer movement. Amen. We're part of it right here. Um, God is raised. It's undeniable what God is doing with the prayer movement. And God says one of his main purposes for the prayer movement is to do this. Okay, ready for it? Um, So this is Isaiah 60, verse 1, and then verse 6 and 7. It says, for Zion's sake, again, that's another name for the city of Jerusalem, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, he just says it again. He's like, in case you missed it, I'm just going to say it all over again. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet until, until, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. And then skip down to verse 6. It says, you who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest, give him no rest. That's, that's day and night prayer, by the way. Don't ever stop praying, give him no rest. That's day and night prayer. So basically, you who are involved in the prayer movement, don't stop praying until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in all the earth. Again, he could have said, don't stop praying until I'm worshipped or I'm glorified, or don't stop praying until, you know, this other thing happens. But he could have said whatever he wanted. And he said, don't stop praying until Jerusalem is made a praise in all the earth. For Zion's sake, don't stop praying. And so he, he ties, again, one of the central aims of this whole thing we're doing here is the city of Jerusalem rising to its place of promise, its, its destiny, its, its promise. that Remember, the Father promised that city to Jesus. It's, it revolves around Jerusalem, God's zeal to bring forth those purposes. And so, this is, again, this is just one of those, like, it's, you're talking about it, it's like, what are you saying? And I'm like, that's the point. Is this, I think this concept of God's zealous for Jerusalem, it's so... Like, we can see the verses, but it's like it doesn't really, if we're honest, like it doesn't really impact our hearts that much. And so this is where I'm like, I want to wave a flag and like, let's spend some time and camp out. Okay, Lord, what is, like, what, like, what is going on with Jerusalem? Like, why do you feel that way? Like, I'm, I'm a Gentile living in Arlington. Like, like, help me, help me feel this really important thing that you talk about over a thousand times in the word. Like, Lord, help me feel that. And so that's the invitation of this, this session. Okay, 
Moving on to Roman numeral five, shocking sorrows and the showdown. Notice my alliteration, shocking sorrows showdown. I tried to make, <laughs> spent some time there. <laughs> Beverly's not even in the room, but I was trying there. <laughs> my inner writer's coming forth. Okay, so this is, this is kind of zooming in. We kind of hit the big picture of end times around, around Jerusalem. Well, now let's zoom into specifically some of the things that are going to happen to Jerusalem. And again, this is, there's a lot more to the picture. The goal of this is not for me to cover all of, that's, all of what's happening to Jerusalem. The goal is to kind of set some of the pieces in place so that we can start um, or better identify the Lord's heart, his zeal for Jerusalem. Okay, so the title's on page 7 and the notes, page 8 there. So really, um, yeah, Jerusalem is, is the place of... It's, it's the clashing place of light and darkness. And so really it's the, the, this, like I told you before, the rage of Satan, the rage of the nations, and then God's zeal for Jerusalem. It's all clashing. And we, excuse me, we see here Second Thessalonians. This is, this is where the Antichrist, you know, the, the most demonically anointed person, the most wicked man ever, Satan's, you know, right-hand man, he sets up his camp. He sets up his, his headquarters in Jerusalem. He's like, he looks at that Psalm 2 promise, Jesus' future headquarters. He's like, we'll see. Let me set, it's like the ultimate slap to Jesus' face. He's like, you're going to have that city as your headquarters? Like, no, I'm going to set it up as my headquarters. It is like, you know, Jesus is, he, he has got some feelings about that one for sure, let me tell you. So this is the Antichrist here. He says, the man of lawlessness, that's a title for the Antichrist. He's revealed the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of, object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So that's the future rebuilt temple in the city of Jerusalem. So he's going to sit there. He's going to set up shop. And really the, the whole rest of the great tribute. So that's the kickoff of the great tribulation. We don't have time to develop that, but that's the kickoff of the final three and a half years of this present evil age. And so the entire duration of the, the three and a half years, it's Jerusalem. It's just like, it's just this bomb going off again and again and again and again because Antichrist is right there. And you better believe if he's smart, you know, you don't have your weakest guys in Jerusalem. It's not like he you know, sits there, and then he sends all of his, you know, generals and stuff, like, out to all of the, like, he's going to have his, his main team, his leadership team. Uh, it's a terrible thought, but he's going to have his, like, his most anointed demonic guys with him in Jerusalem, like, his best of his best, his meanest-looking demons. They're going to be in Jerusalem. Well, the crazy thing is, is that God's, God's most anointed people, the two witnesses, are also going to be in Jerusalem for the entire time. The entire three and a half years, Satan is trying to kill them. They're this giant thorn in his flesh, <laughs> prophesying, calling down fire, messing up his stuff. Like there's in his backyard in the same city and Satan, the Antichrist, excuse me, he, he can't kill them until the end of 1260 days. That's three and a half years. So like Jerusalem in the tribulation, there's just like, there's like so much going on. I mean, you could, there can be definitely movies made about all that drama, the most anointed, you know, demonic man, and then the most anointed, you know, more than Elijah, more than Paul, more than Peter. Two witnesses in Jerusalem. Well, a result of this, 
Um, Antichrist is raging. The two witnesses, plagues. They said they can call down fire whenever they want. <laughs> and then God's, all of God's judgments, all of that we studied in that Revelation study, the end result of that is Jerusalem is going to be really, really not looking good at the end. It's going to be desolated. Um, Isaiah 28 there says an overwhel overwhelming scourge passes through and you will be beaten down by it. That is intense. Revelation 11, you will, they will trample the holy city. And then Revelation also 11 you know, a tenth of the city is going to fall. And then later in Revelation 16, it says the, an earthquake, and it says the city was split into three. And so that's, that's the city. Like, Jerusalem is going to get absolutely obliterated. And again, Jesus is going to inherit, inherit his destiny, his promised city, but he's got, he's got some, some work to do after the tribulation, for sure. Well, during, um, during the tribulation, there's going to be these, these cries, these groanings for the city of Jerusalem. So it's going to be the people of God, definitely the Jews, but then all of us. We're going to see the city of Jerusalem getting obliterated, and we're going to join this, this cry. And, Lord, you have destiny for that city. Lord, save your afflicted city. Break in. And so this is Isaiah 64. It says, O Lord, according... Sorry, this is Daniel 9. He's, he basically is doing that in history. Um, but let's skip over to page 9, top of page 9, Isaiah 64. It says, Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our beautiful and holy house where our fathers praised you has been burned by fire. All of our pleasant places have become ruins. And then this is, this is the, the, the prayer for the sake of Jerusalem, for the destiny. The prophet is saying, leaning into the heart of the Lord, he's saying, Will you restrain yourself? Lord, at these things, will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? So this, the prophet's saying, Jerusalem is getting decimated. Like, God, will you, like, how long will you let this, this pass? This is the city known by your name. And so he's pulling on the strings of God. Like, God, come back. Do something, Jesus. Like, the Antichrist is, he is really having a field day here. Like, come back and make this right. Like, come do something. Don't be silent forever. Like, that's, that's the heart of this, this um, you know, rend the heavens and come down passage that we like to sing about. Well, the end of this, um, Jerusalem is going to be a city not forsaken, a city that's sought out. So, um, you know, all the nations of the earth are going to see Jerusalem again getting decimated. The Jews are going to see their city getting decimated. It's going to be easy to think like, wow, God has forsaken that city. He's clearly not happy. Um, and yes, they're right. God is not happy. But this city at the end, I just love the Lord's language. Isaiah 62, he says, The people, they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be sought out, a city not forsaken. Zechariah 1, 17, The Lord will again overflow, and the Lord will comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Again, there's, there's, just, there's just so much, there's so much rich language about the zeal of the Lord, comforting and, you know, seeking out and not forsaking. Like, there's so much, like, if you, you camp out and meditate on those passages, they're so rich. Like, what does it mean for God to seek out and to save Jerusalem when everyone's saying God has forsaken them and God's like, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. It looks real grim right now, but we'll see. Like, there's just, there's just volumes in, the, in these phrases if we'll camp out and, and allow the Spirit to touch us. Well, finally, the, the showdown in Jerusalem. So this is, 
This is Jerusalem. It really it comes down to at the end of the three and a half years, Jesus splits the sky. Again, we don't have time to cover this, although I would love to talk about this more. Um, he comes down. He, uh, you know, the second coming happens. We get raptured. Jesus comes down. He marches around um, in the wilderness 30 years, and his, his uh, marching journey, they're having battles and skirmishes and things. He's getting his robe stained red that Robbie was singing about. And all that happens, it's like, they're just mere skirmishes up until this, this showdown battle, like a, like a king going to get his most beloved prize. It's the Antichrist and his armies, the nations have gathered. They're waiting for Jesus. I'm just pitching it picturing it, it's like, it's like dawn, it's dark, they're, you know, they're, they're, they got torches of fire, they're waiting, the multitudes and multitudes waiting around Jerusalem, and then, you know, Jesus is coming, um, some epic 80s song is playing in the background um, with some guitar, and Jesus is coming with his armies, and there's like, this is showdown happening, and the prize is Jerusalem, the Antichrist is guarding it, Jesus is saying, my father promised me that city, We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And then you read Zechariah there. It says, I mean, you just read that passage, and it's like Jesus just, he just absolutely routes them. You know, there, he brings this, he brings this plague. What does it say? It says, and this shall be the plague which the Lord will strike them, the peoples that wage war against Jerusalem. So again, it's not just random. They're fighting. They're waging war against Jerusalem. Jesus, uh, Zechariah says, their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet and their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues. So they, they just like, it's not even like a, <laughs> it's just terrible. Jesus is like, again, he's got some strong feelings. Antichrist, you set up shop in my city and you were saying, you're God, like, whoo, I'm gonna go rot your flesh. Like he, he just goes all out. <laughs> it's not... Is not pretty, but again, that's zeal. Again, zeal is not, you know, I'm going to beat you, Antichrist. Like, zeal is like Jesus to the max, all out. Um, one of the passages that we'll hit in a later session, Isaiah 42, actually says Jesus will pant and scream like a woman in labor when he goes. And so that's, that's kind of like a zealous thing happening in there. That's kind of like a lot in his heart that, that gets released for Jerusalem. Okay, I'm going to... Um, cover one more Roman numeral. There's one more after that, but it's really short. So this is a this is a really really fun one. So this is this is kind of bringing it all together, and this is a. I just love, I love this one. This is probably my favorite point. Um, so this is the city of God's presence. This is where. Um, so you. Uh, if you've so we're talking about zeal for Jerusalem, and if you're sitting there and you're like, Luke, you haven't once mentioned like God being zealous for His house, like zeal for your house has consumed me. Like, come on, that's when you said zeal, that was the first verse I thought of, and that was me too. Um, and I promise we'll get there. And here it's there. It's it's now time. It's now time. So I wanted a whole Roman Roman numeral and the last one to develop a little bit. I mean, again, this is the purpose of this session is not to cast vision for night and day prayer. I'm, well, I guess it is, but talking about Jerusalem, but my, I'm not going to develop this. I'm going to go through it really fast, but God, like uh, his zeal for Jerusalem and his zeal for his house, zeal for his presence, um, the thing that burned with King David's heart, it's, it's related. King David, where did he, where was he king? Jerusalem. So we'll look at that here in a second. Um, 
So, yeah, God's zeal is dynamically connected to his zeal for his house. Um, Jerusalem was the city of God's presence in Israel's history, and it will be again forever and ever because he's made some pretty big promises to David about that, and you better believe he's going to fulfill them. So Jerusalem's early days, this is just a fun, um, I did kind of a, you know, like when did God start searching the web, like looking in the um, Blue Letter Bible, like where, where was Jerusalem first mentioned? Like where, where did kind of God's heart for this city kind of start? And while there's no doubt um, Jerusalem has always been in God's heart, it's not like he woke up one day and was like, oh my gosh, Jerusalem. Like it's, it's been eternally in his heart. I don't know how that all works. That's one of those Trinitarian things. I'm like, I don't know how that works, God. But Jerusalem has always been in his heart. Um, there was for sure whispers of it before David, you know, um, there's whispers of Jerusalem and its destiny before that, but really the Bible gets really loud and obnoxious about Jerusalem starting with King David. And so if you're already doing the math, uh, it's, 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 that means it's related to what King David did. Um, so this is Second uh, Samuel 6. Again, this is when the Bible starts getting obnoxious. Remember I told you it's over, well over a thousand times that it's mentioned in the Bible. This is where it all really starts from this point onward. Um, it says, the, It was told King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because the ark of God. So David went up and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David. That's Jerusalem. With rejoicing. So David made king. He went and got the ark, which was God's presence on earth, brought it to the city of Jerusalem. And so from that point on, once David did this, Jerusalem was known as the city of God's presence. Like that moment on for really all of eternity, it's now the this, this city where God dwells. Okay? So um, point B, heaven's stamp of approval. So David had this, there's, there's the, or the Psalm 69 verse, again, if you were wondering. Um, for zeal for your house has consumed me. Um, Jesus quoted it, but David said it first. Um, so I guess that's just, yeah, I mean, obviously the Holy Spirit. But David said it first, for zeal for your house has consumed me. Um, <clears throat> so David was burning for the house of prayer. We all know, you know, he set up day and night worship in Jerusalem. He built his kingdom around that. Man of one thing, like we know, we know the story. Um, well, what David did really caught heaven's attention. God really liked that. It was like, it wasn't exactly like this, but it was like God has been waiting for all of human history until that point. He's like, he's waiting for someone to really tap into his heart that way. And then David, after a man after God's heart, captures God, God's heart and expresses his longing for, for night and day prayer and for his house and his presence more than anyone had up until that time. And so David burned with, with zeal for day and night worship and caught heaven's attention. And then after David started did, to do that, God blessed them on every side. He eventually, at, uh, later in David's life, he gave them rest from all of the enemies. Like Israel was prosperous, flourishing. They were, I mean, like overabundance. Everything started happening after David was radical for God's house. And so that's God's like kiss. He's like, yes, like, Someone finally, like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. And then God was really, um, uh, he promised David there, um, 2 Samuel 7, he promised him 
rest on every side. He promised him a house and a kingdom that will last forever, a throne that will last forever. Um, And if you're doing the math, you know, uh, where was King David's house? Where was his throne? It was in Jerusalem. So this whole thing is connected to God's house in Jerusalem. Okay, so um, so God really, he made some lavish promises. David, you, you did the thing that moved my heart so much. I'm going to bless you forever. You're going to have a son that sits on my throne forever. Jerusalem is going to be the, the city forever to uh, be the, you know, the center of the earth. Um, he's loud about that. Well, uh, point C, the restoration of David's tent. Um, this is Acts 15. Um, God promises to rebuild the fallen tent of David. And really, we see in this verse, um, the biggest takeaway, there's a lot I could say about this verse. The biggest takeaway is, in David's day, it was 24-7 prayer in Jerusalem. And God is saying, um, I'm going to do it in Jerusalem, but now I'm going to do it with all of the Gentiles. All of the whole earth is going to be blessed by what I do in, in Jerusalem. And so really, really, David's day was just a down payment of God's heart um, and saying, um, you know, David, you did it in Jerusalem, but I'm going to do it in all of the earth. And then this, just this final, um, this final verse, I mean, this, in this Roman numeral, really surprising. This one really was one of the points of revelation as I was um, preparing this message. You know, Isaiah uh, 7, Isaiah 6, right before that, I probably should have included that, but that's, that's the verse that we all know, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. It's the Christmas song uh, verse, and rightfully so. But then verse 7 is the verse right after that, and it's really, really important because it's all that we've been talking about. So I want to start with the last, the last point in this, last phrase in this verse. It says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts. So remember, this whole session is about zeal for Jerusalem. And so God is saying, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So now let's read the start of the verse. It says, the increase of his government, this is, again, talking about Jesus as the promised son of David. The increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, that's in Jerusalem, remember. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, God's zeal, remember his zeal is making all this happen. God's zeal is going to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth forever. And so God, ultimately, this, is, this passage is saying, basically, Jesus is going to, like, puts everything in the session together. Jesus is going to be the future son of David, burning with night and day prayer like David did in Jerusalem. And through Jesus this time, though, the whole world is going to get to enter this in. It's like this crescendo of all of his zeal for Jerusalem. It's, it's this verse. And so... Um, so yeah, this is just a great verse to meditate and go deep on. Well, uh, worship leader, you can come on up, whoever that is, nine. Just want to leave us with just the action points. Um, again, just giving us a one takeaway. I'll make it simple on you. One takeaway. What can you do with this passage or this this session? God's zeal for Jerusalem. Um, Psalm 122, it's on your uh, page 11. It exhorts us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And while that, that means a lot of things, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, 
I think one of the things it means for is, is, is praying, for the, praying for the destiny of Jerusalem and reading all these passages about Jerusalem being God's city, Jerusalem being the city where sin and death ultimately gets destroyed, being the city where we dwell with God forever. And so praying for the peace of Jerusalem is, is prophesying into um, the, her destiny, declaring you know, to the powers and principalities and Satan's rage against Jerusalem. We're saying, no, I'm praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm praying for the fulfillment of God's purposes for Jerusalem. And then connected to this, just for like if you need a real practical one, there are at least two that we know of, 24-7 houses of prayer, 24-7, nonstop, houses of prayer in Jerusalem. There's Jerusalem House of Prayer, there's Sukkot Haleel. And so I think like a really practical pray for the peace of Jerusalem point is pray for the 24-7 houses of prayer that are making a difference, that are glorifying Messiah, Yeshua in Jerusalem, like pray for them. They, those are the ones who are going to bring, you know, just a change in the atmosphere, boots on the ground in the city of David, praying to the city of David. So we can pray in such a practical way, praying for Sukkot Aleo, praying for Jerusalem, uh, house of prayer. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tpr dfw.com. Thank you.